Hi everyone, you're listening to the Women-Centric Transport Podcast, where we discuss how transport can help women move towards their dreams. Have you ever been touched, called sweetie, lovey, or baby girl by a stranger while on your way to school or work? Has there ever been a time when you were made to feel you are not dressed appropriately or simply don't belong in a place? While doing my hair earlier today, I asked ladies this question. And strangely, all of them said, yes, while laughing, meaning they're all accustomed to this now. One of them even said, hello, my size is one of the greetings they receive while commuting, meaning one is already seeing a sexual partner from them. These are some of the issues women experience while commuting. One of the testimonies we heard earlier in the series involved sexual assault. In our research episode, we heard a testimony from a young student from Zimbabwe living and studying in South Africa, where she spoke to how she gets discriminated against for not being able to speak a local language while using taxis. Gender-based violence and racial discrimination are rife in the transport system. For women in particular, it has become their daily struggle and for some, a deterrent for using transport systems. Welcome to the Women-Centric Transport Podcast. I am your host, Nangam Somatebese Maponya. I am again joined by Valentina Montoya, who hosts the Invisible Commutes channel on Spotify. Today, we're discussing a part of her study she conducted in Latin America, wherein she interviewed domestic workers on their experiences of gender-based violence and racial discrimination. Valentina, welcome again and great to have you here. Firstly, please paint a picture for us. What kind of a society are we dealing with here? Tell us a little bit more about the racial context and demographic factors in, in Latin America. So hi again, I'm Valentina Montoya, Director of Invisible Commute. Hola a todos y todas y gracias por estar de nuevo con Nanga y conmigo y gracias a Nanga por la invitación. Thanks again Nanga for the invitation. It is a pleasure to be here today to continue speaking about the horrid commutes of domestic workers. So just for you to get a picture and I think that this picture is very important because when I lived for a short while in Cape Town, eh, it was interesting how people didn't know a lot about the racial dynamics in Latin America, but we do have a lot of situations related to race uh, and racist violence in our continent. So just for you to get a picture, uh, in Latin America, 30% of the population is Afro-descendant, 30%. And most of these people uh, originally came or a long time ago came as enslaved African uh, people during the colonial times. And so then they stayed in the continent so for you to know, after Brazil and the US, Colombia is the third American country with the largest black population. And black and international organizations estimate that close to 26% of the Colombian population is black. So for you to understand a little bit better about the dynamics, in the 80s and 90s, there was something that was called a multicultural turn. And this meant that indigenous and Afro-descendants mobilized for their rights. Now, now, nowadays, states 
often recognize racism as a problem and diversity as an issue. And most of our constitutions in the region hold anti-discrimination provisions. They criminalize racism. Local governments have been developing policies to empower racialized communities. But although we have this increasing constitutionalization of multiculturalism in Latin America and the Caribbean, this does not necessarily translate in what goes on for Afro-descendants on a day-to-day -day basis. Why do I say that? Because mestizos or whites are constantly discriminating against black populations. So for instance, black populations barely occupy important positions in government or in companies. They are overrepresented in terms of poverty, in lack of education, in lack of opportunities. And we also experience mm -hmm. common instances of racism or racist jokes that Black people are lazy, are horny, are criminals in the streets in informal conversations. The worst part is that as a society, we do not acknowledge that we are racist. We say that racism is not part of our culture, and but and, and that is part of the problem. Public transit is one of the areas <laughs> that where does not sound strange. Oh, exactly, but then public transit is one of the places where I have found many, many instances of racial violence. So that is context for your Latin American situation. So now, Nanga, if we want to get back to gender-based violence and racial discrimination that domestic workers suffer while commuting, I'm going to tell you mm -hmm. a bit of what is going on there. So a study conducted by the Thomson Reuters Foundation in 2014, in 15 um, Valentina. Yes, yes, tell me. I I thank you very much for the background and oh. the context for the for the listeners uh, to to get an understanding of the type of society we're talking about, what the um, racial issues we're dealing with here. It it's definitely a, a different picture to what South Africa looks like because um, black uh, people in South Africa, in which is which which is a group that that where you come where where, where domestic workers come from is a majority of the society but the racial discrimination against those people is against black people by a minority group is so rife but yeah we'll get into the details of this but just um, tell us a little bit about what have you found in your research that you have conducted what have you found is the issue specifically for the domestic workers because they work in people's homes and maybe there's a racial issue within the homes that they work with. They're using the public transportation. Who's who's um, transporting them? Who's who's traveling with them? Is the racial discrimination amongst the travelers, core travelers, or amongst the operators, or even the employers? So what does that look like? So I just give you some time to tell us a little bit more about what does this gender-based violence and racial discrimination mean for domestic workers in Latin America. Over to you. So in general, I want to tell you that the situation for all women who commute in Latin America is very, very difficult in terms of gender-based violence. So uh, there was a study in 2014 by the Tom Reuters Foundation that revealed that in Mexico City and in Bogota and in Lima, more than 60% of the women had suffered sexual harassment while commuting. But we know that uh, this affects especially low-income women because they have to use public transit. That is the, the way they move around the cities. 
And my research shows that domestic workers are part of this group of women, and so they experience a lot of gender-based violence. For you to get a picture of the degree of gender-based violence that many of them experience, and, and here I want to tell you that many of these domestic workers are also uh, Afro-descendants. So the, an Afro-Colombian domestic worker in Medellin said, and I open quotes, we were going with my sister-in-law to Picacho. The bus was full. A, a young drug addict took the bus. He was drunk. He touched my sister-in-law, masturbated, and ejaculated on her back. The driver's helper kicked him out of the bus. We did not report him because we thought it was the normal perversion of men. I close quotes. And here it's important to notice that she's an Afro-Colombian domestic worker, that her, that her sister-in-law is also an Afro-Colombian woman, and that there is a general idea of the sexualization of the black female body. It's like the black female body is accessible and she can suffer this and no one cares about it. And this is particularly the case for domestic workers because many domestic workers, as I will tell you in a moment, are from Afro-Colombian or, or from African descent. Then in Sao Paulo, another Afro-Brazilian domestic worker called Kelly told me something that was very similar and I open quotes. The driver stops and he allows more and more people to enter the bus and you always have one or another who likes to take advantage of the situation of overcrowdings and he presses against you and you realize that it is no longer an innocent move. And I close quotes there. So then again, is this overcrowdings and people just thinking that because you are an Afro-descendant woman, your body is sexually uh, accessible to you. And then again, another Afro-Brazilian domestic worker um, in Sao Paulo called Claudia told me that once I told, I shouted, but people around me said nothing was nothing about what was happening. I felt that a guy was rubbing his body against me, but it was so crowded that, that I could not turn around. When I oh felt that, word. I turned and shouted. Another woman defended him, saying that calling a metro official would not solve anything. I was able to show other people what he was doing, and when the metro arrived at the station, he just left the vehicle in Giovanni Station. I close quote. That, that's all what happened to them. So... Oh my goodness, I cannot believe. Yeah. I I cannot believe. If you remember the first in the first episode we played a recording with a similar incident in South Africa. I can't believe how appalling mm -hmm. the, ex the this women's experiences can be while they're trying to get to work. They're trying to go about their normal business. They're trying to provide for their families and they've had to endure this kind of abuse mm -hmm. you know in dehumanization while they they have to go and work for their families mm -hmm. exactly and, and the other thing is just being just people stereotyping black female body bodies as sexually available and then no one cares about it which is very awful in in this in all of these testimonies and i have much more but it's just like for the listeners to to have a picture in their head about what is going on. And, and I think that's something that is definitely worth highlighting is that despite all of these constant experiences of unwanted touching and cat calling and even unwelcome masturbation on top of their bodies, just before they get to work, you know, because after that they have to continue to, to, to get to their jobs. These women often do not make an official claim before the authorities. So when I ask them, why is it? 
they told me that the police would just ignore their claims. That is part of the problem. And others just explained me that it would take too long and then their employers would fire them for being late for work. So these stories are very sad, but they mirror what happens to other women in Latin America. And I will tell you just for you to have some data in a study that the Transport Gender Lab conducted in Mexico City, they found that uh, almost half of the women had experienced gender-based violence while commuting, but only 1% had raised an official claim before the police. And another study on female commuters in Argentina by the Transport Gender Lab revealed that only 5% of the women had reported harassment before public officials. So that is also something we have to take into account. Women are being harassed. Black women are especially being harassed because of this idea of the accessible black female body. And then they just have to stay quiet. That's what happens to them. And so, and I'm going to focus here a little bit more on the racial discrimination issue that I think is so devastating because mm -hmm. I want to explain the audience why is it that domestic work and racism is so interconnected in America? Well, because many domestic workers, just as you told us for South Africa, are racialized with an overrepresentation of indigenous and Afro-descendants performing domestic work in the region. For example, out of the 5.9 million female domestic workers in Brazil, 66% are Afro-descendants. In Peru, most indigenous women exercise some form of domestic work. And this overrepresentation of both Black and indigenous women workers speaks to deep structures of racialization and discrimination. And then these are the testimonies of domestic workers that are like, you cannot believe it. And let's let's tell you a little bit more about it. So in Lima, Peru, this is what Maria Ernestina experienced. And I open quote, the bus was very overcrowded. There was a tall white guy who turned around and told me, shitty black woman, you want to steal from me. I was surprised and asked him what was wrong with him. And he kept insulting me that I wanted to rob him. I was so surprised because although there were many users, men and women, none of them, not even women, supported me. When he left in the Balta stop in Barranco, I went down with him and I followed him asking what was wrong with him. I told him, I will report you for racism. I shouted for guards to keep him from getting out. They did not let him out. When the policeman came, I told him what had happened. I was grabbing the man so that he could not escape. The man tried to escape and made many bruises on my hands. I told the policeman that we needed to take the man to the police station. The man showed and told the policeman that he was a policeman too. I told him, you are a policeman and you are exercising racist violence against me. I told him I was going to take him to the station, but the policeman let him go. Okay, so oh, no. it's crazy because then all the stereotypes come together. One, the stereotype that if you are a black person, you are a person, you are a criminal. Then the other part is that definitely the state is not only, um, I don't know, like neglecting any action, but it, the state is actually performing racist violence against the people. And this is a domestic worker. And she was very uh, vocal about it, but it didn't matter. And, and so it's very sad to hear this type of story because you see there that racism in the region is pervasive. So now let's get, get back to gender-based violence and racial discrimination that domestic workers suffer while commuting. 
A study conducted by the Thomson Reuters Foundation in 2014 in 15 cities around the world revealed that in Mexico City, in Bogota, in Lima, more than 60% of the women had suffered sexual harassment while commuting. It disproportionately affects low-income women who are captive commuters of public transit. And actually, my research shows that domestic workers are part of this group of women. In their very long and expensive commutes, as we were speaking in the previous episodes, they experience constant gender-based violence. And here, what is important to racialize domestic workers is that they not only experience this gender-based violence as women, but as Black women, because Black uh, female body has been thought of or idealized or stereotyped as uh, available, sexually available. And so here are several testimonies for you to start picturing it, which you can definitely hear in the in Spanish in the Invisible Commute Spotify channel. So an Afro-Colombian domestic worker in Medellin described it, and I open quotes, we were going with my sister-in-law to Picacho, the bus was full, a young drug addict took the bus, he was drunk, he touched my sister-in-law, masturbated and ejaculated on her back. The driver's helper kicked him off the bus. We did not report him because we thought, and I want to highlight this, it was the normal perversion of men. So it's not only that these women are hypersexualized for being black women, but also that they normalize this type of action because they have been experiencing throughout their lives. And here I want to point that out again, that this testimony is from an Afro-Colombian domestic worker and her sister-in-law was also an Afro-Colombian domestic worker. In Sao Paulo, Afro-Brazilian domestic worker Kelly reported a very similar experience and I open quotes. The driver stops and he allows more and more people to enter the bus and you always have one or another who likes to take advantage of the situation of overcrowdings and he presses against you and you realize that it is no longer an innocent move and I close quotes. Likewise, Afro-Brazilian domestic worker Claudia explained that these forms of harassment happen on a daily basis. And she told me, I open quotes, once I told, I shouted, but people around me said nothing was happening. I felt that a guy was rubbing his body against mine, but it was so crowded that I would, could not turn around. When I felt that, I turned it and shouted. Another woman defended him saying that calling a metro official would not solve anything. I was able to show other people what he was doing. And when the metro arrived at the station, he just left the vehicle in the Giovanni station. And I close quote. And here, I think that it is very difficult for these women because they never receive support. And that is part of this idea that because you are a black woman, you must be always available for people to touch you, to cut cold you, to masturbate on top of you. And this is what many domestic workers experience. So something that is worth highlighting here is that despite these constant experiences of unwanted touching, catcalling, even unwelcome masturbation on top of their bodies, these women often do not make an official claim before the authorities. When I asked them in my research, why is it that they didn't do that? They told me that the police would just ignore their claims, but others explained that it would take too long and their employers would fire them for being late for work. These responses mirror what other women have expressed in Latin America. For instance, in a very similar study with, um, with uh, women commuting in Mexico City by the Transport Gender Lab, 
almost half of the women had experienced gender-based violence while commuting, but only 1% of them raised an official claim before the police, 1% of them. So no one is going to the police. Another study on female commuters in Buenos Aires, Argentina, by the Transport Gender Lab that is part of the Inter-American Development Bank, revealed that only 5% of the women that had suffered uh, harassment had reported to public officials, only 5% of them. So this is a pervasive problem. We have to start thinking of how the authorities are responding to this type of violence. And now regarding additional racial discrimination, the situation is even more devastating. But why is it that domestic work and racism tied together in Latin America? Because I already told you a little bit about the racial components of our region. Well, many domestic workers are racializing the region just like Nanga was telling us about, with an overrepresentation of indigenous and Afro-descendants performing domestic work in Latin America and the Caribbean. For example, for you to know, out of the 5.9 million female domestic workers in Brazil, 66% of them are Afro-descendants. In Peru, most indigenous women exercise some form of domestic work. So we must start thinking that this overrepresentation of Black and Indigenous women as domestic workers in the region speaks to deeper structures of very high racialization and discrimination that these uh, domestic workers experience. And so now let's hear what Ernestina, Maria Ernestina, had to say about what happened to her in Lima, Peru. And I open quotes here. The bus was very overcrowded. There was a tall guy who turned around and told me, shitty black woman you want to steal from me i was surprised and asked him what was wrong with him and he kept insulting me that i wanted to rob him i was so surprised because although there were many users men and women none of them not even women supported me when he left in the Valta stop in Barranco, I went down with him and followed him asking what was wrong with him. I told him, I will report you for racism. I shouted for the guards to keep him from getting out. They did not let him out. When the policeman came, I told him what had happened. I was grabbing the man so that he could not escape. The man tried to escape and made many bruises on my hands. I told the policeman that we needed to take the man to the police station. The man showed and told the policeman that he was also a policeman. This is very important. Keep it in the back of your head. I told him, you are a policeman and you are exercising racist violence against me. I told him I was going to take him to the station, but the policeman let him go. And I close quotes here. And we must start thinking about this. There is another stereotype against Black people in Latin America, which is that they are all criminals. And this is something that other domestic workers continuously told me about. They were in a bus, something was lost. Other commuters will point at them because they would say, you're a Black woman, you would be a criminal, which is a very racist stereotype. But the other part is that here is not only that the state is being negligent or ignoring that racism is taking place. The bad part is that here it is the state, the one that is executing this racial violence against domestic workers. In a similar episode in the city of Neiva, Maria Rocio, another domestic worker, told me, and I opened it. I took the bus as usual to go to work and there was a woman in the seat that I used. I felt it was normal to sit beside her. When I sat, the woman stood up and went to the back of the bus. And another woman who was there asked me, 
Why did you leave your seat? She answered, because that negra sat beside me and I hate black people, they disgust me. I felt that was a racist act because I think we are all sons of God and that is not the first episode. It is very common for me and I close quotes. And here, please take a look at what is going on. It is normal that a white person or a mestizo person comes and says that she or he is disgusted by someone who has a different skin color and is rampant racism going on for these women in buses. So in both episodes, racism is evident. What is worse about Maria Mestina's testimony is again that the police officer was the one who actually victimized her. And even when she tried to raise the claim, the system was rigged against her. So, okay. Let's say not everything is bad news. And now I'm going to try to speak a little bit more about what has been done to respond to this type of violence. So I'm actually Nanga sad to tell you that I'm currently writing a piece called Transportation Racism in Latin America, the case of domestic workers, in which I show that transportation authorities in the region have not done anything, but I mean anything, about racial discrimination in buses, vehicles, and stations. In fact, they do not even acknowledge this is an issue, and that refers back to what I was telling you, where Latin American society denies being racist, and current transportation codes of conduct lack any reference to this type of denigrating and persistent violence, which is part of the problem. So that is the news about racial violence. I must say that regarding gender-based violence, there are some important improvements that the Transport Gender Lab has been collecting. So that is quite a better scenario in, in this case. So for instance, the city of Bogota has a protocol against the kind of violence, this kind of violence in public transit. Buenos Aires developed the campaign, ni loca ni perseguida ni histérica la cosa existe, or something that in English would sound as neither crazy, paranoid, nor hysterical, harassment exists. And this is like uh, quite a usage of words and it, it's something that you will definitely remember. And this campaign is to raise awareness, but also to promote reports on sexual harassment in public transit. Then uh, in Quito, Ecuador, they implemented the strategy Bajale al acoso, or let's diminish harassment in public transit. And this includes awareness raising, reporting, and also educational initiatives to diminish this type of violence. Other cities like Sao Paulo have allowed buses to stop beyond bus stops at night in order to bring women closer to their homes and diminishing the chances of experiencing this gender-based violence while they walk from the bus stop to their houses. Uh, Gender-segregated vehicles operate in Mexico City and in Rio de Janeiro and in other cities too. This type of, of measure has its pros and cons, but it's something that has been implemented around the region. Also infrastructure measures such as better lighting and panic buttons have been implemented in several cities. And there is also the case of this private organization that is called Holabac that has promoted bystander intervention so that other people inside buses and stations can know how to effectively help victims when they see that they're suffering a gender-based violence. And this is just like a general overview, but if you go into detail, many, many cities are doing trying to do something about gender-based violence uh, in buses and vehicles and stations. Okay, so finally, besides all of these, that definitely does not cover the full range of initiatives, what else can be done about it? And this is more about what I think that should be done about it. So 
we definitely cannot change what we cannot see. So we need to gather more and better data. This entails improving city mobility surveys to understand the extent both of gender-based violence and racial harassment. We also need to measure whether the, these awareness campaigns I told you about are having any impact and to see what can we improve in these campaigns to, to help the people who are suffering the, the violence that I described. We also need better access to justice. Domestic workers, but in general, all women need to feel that authorities will not turn their back to them on them when they come to report the violence that we have been speaking about. But we also need reporting mechanisms to be fast and effective, because if not, domestic workers will be fired from their jobs and this is something that they are not willing to risk. In terms of racial harassment, we definitely need to recognize and raise awareness about it in transit, although we must raise awareness everywhere, because as I told you, Latin American society keeps saying that we are not racist when reality shows the opposite. So we must include it in public transit codes of conduct as a forbidden conduct and create effective access to justice whenever it occurs. Um, so with this panorama, I turn back to you, Nanga, and thanks again for the space. I'm sure African cities have a lot to tell us about the situation I just explained today. And as I would say in Spanish, sigámonos moviendo. What a mouthful. We have now exhausted the results of your study, Valentina, in as far as time poverty, travel cost, which we spoke about in the previous two episodes. And today we just concluded talking about gender-based violence and racial discrimination. It's been an incredible experience for me, yet overwhelming. Hearing all these painful experiences, I grew up recognizing and living some of these experiences but reliving these experiences through research is quite overwhelming. Understandably, not all of us are aware of the effects of these issues on women and their families and the bigger impact on our societies and the economy in general. So in our final episode, we will digest all of these research results and the overwhelming responses we are already receiving from all of you, our listeners. In particular, we will be talking and discussing the impact of these issues on our families, the society, and the economy. Until next time. Thank you for listening and for sharing this podcast. Your support is greatly appreciated. Please listen to more episodes and follow Nangamsa for more content on various social media platforms. Let's keep moving.